Welcome to How the Song Came to Be, where soulful songwriters share the stories behind their songs, as well as tools and creative practices you can use to bring your best songs or other creative works to life. I'm Ann Heaton, your host. I know that a new song is like a baby, and it can be just killed by criticism. You have to nurture it and be good to it and not criticize it too harshly and let it be what it is and it grows stronger and then you sing it with confidence and it grows even stronger welcome songwriters to how the song came to be i'm ann heaton your host and founder of soul song school today's guest is steve tannen singer songwriter steve tannen is one half of the weepies along with deb Talon. Uh, they began writing together the night they met and soon formed American indie band The Weepies. On the strength of their lyrical songwriting and distinctive harmonies, The Weepies quietly sold more than a million records with over 30 million views on YouTube and 90 million streams on Spotify. They married and had three children, rarely touring but continuing to release music, making seven records over 10 years. When their youngest son was 17 months old, Deb Talon was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. She was in chemo almost immediately. Deb beat cancer and the Weepies released an intense new record, Sirens. Coming back from the edge, sharpened their skills and focus. At 16 songs and almost an hour long, it quickly became one of the best received albums of their career. The Weepies are currently recording and on tour. Steve, I am so happy to see you and I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you. You guys don't know this, but Ann and I came up together. I've known Ann since I was, you know, a young songwriter. So hello, Ann. <laughs> hello, Steve. Thanks so much for being here. So there's a lot in that, and there's a lot I want to dive into in terms of, especially like collaborative songwriting and um, songwriting through challenges or from challenges. Um, but I want to start the way uh, we always start the show, which is um, to ask you. How did you like? How and why did you start songwriting? What's your story there? Like, what what compelled you to begin in the first place? So I, you know, when you when you reached out first to this, you asked that question, and I've been staying up nights wondering about it because I never really <laughs> no, it's the truth, and I I came to this conclusion: it's twofold. The first is a love of music, and the second is wanting to write the music. Okay, or needing to write. And so, and I don't think everybody does love me. As I've mm-hmm. gone through life, I'm like, wow, so it's that old Leonard Cohen thing. Well, you don't really care for music, do you? And I always thought that was a crazy lyric until I got older. And I was like, wow, some people don't do it the same way. Mm. So the first, So my first memory, I'm in a, a pool, a hotel pool, and I met a girl and I was in love with her. This is my first memory. And she left the pool and I asked someone where she went and they said, well, she took a plane. She's moved on. And I was in the pool still. And I looked up and I saw a plane like going off into the sunset. And I, and I was like, oh my God, she's on the plane. And I, the whole scene and there was music playing and I was sort of ecstatic. I was like horribly sad and totally happy and connected. And it was the music. <laughs> and, and then my second memory Wait, were you like seven or like like sixteen? Oh no, probably two. 
Oh, like, like two. Mm-hmm. Okay, right, right. So you were in love with like a like a another little kid yeah, or something. Just in, right? a, in a pool with a kid and gotcha, we gotcha. where we were. <laughs> right. Like, but it's like my first actual like I have a little visions and memories, but my first concrete memory where I can see it, I'm like that was it. And then my second real memory is of being in a child's chorus. I was in a Christian chorus, even though I'm Jewish. Okay. We sang a hymn called "So My Sheep May Safely Graze." And I was so swept up in the music and the lights and the surrounding by voices that I stopped singing. And I probably was four or five, whatever you are in your first thing. And that was my second memory. And I feel like from those ecstatic moments came what I was trying to connect with all this time. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's so cool. Well, I was trying to trace why it matters to me why and you know i can think through life through road trips and study halls and breakups and whatever how music has meant a lot to me but i was trying to trace like where did i get on that path where maybe somebody else didn't get on right right like the initial like moments that kind of yeah my earliest memories and i've talked to other musicians and they have similar stories where their first memories very often are of music in some Mm. Mm. I love that and then songwriting is harder um because I I grew up not knowing that songwriting was something you could do like you know you went to public school and you don't study Joni Mitchell a life do you know what I mean? But they do give you very early on a book that says Dale Earnhardt, race car driver. Hey, maybe you could be a race car driver, exclamation point. Do you know what I mean? Like they give you all these options, but musician is not one. They don't study the life of Louis Armstrong, but they should. And so it never occurred to me that what I wanted was to do that. Mm. But everything was pointing to where I did plays and music and this. Mm-hmm. And finally, my brother went off to college when I was 15 and he left his guitar and I started to try to learn some of the songs I was liking on guitar untrained and I stopped going to class and I just was trying to be Mark Knopfler on the guitar and I couldn't do it because Mark Knopfler is an amazing guitarist from Dire Straits <laughs> but I couldn't do it so I was so and it, it only had five strings and it couldn't be tuned because the it was rusted shut so it was an out of tune five string guitar that I did Mark Knopfler songs on, and then also C.B. Ray Vaughan songs and and Robert uh, Jimmy Page. So all of those failures became my finger picking style. And since yeah. I couldn't sing the way they did, I would also change the melody. Oh, wow! And what, okay, and then in school, concurrently, I was known as sort of a bookish poet kid. Because poetry was okay. You yeah. still William Blake and William, oh, yeah. Williams, and these were acceptable. Yeah. And so I would write, even though I had like ELO in my secret headphones and I'd be writing to Sweet Talking Woman, um, I would write a amic pentameter. If anyone caught me, it was poems. And that was. Oh. I started putting the poems to the music that I was writing badly, that I was like em- emulating badly. So that, I think that was the beginning. I think that's how I started doing. I was trying to do what other people were doing that made me feel good badly. Oh, I love that. That's I'm so trying, cool. Because I'm trying no, to, they never yeah. said like, 
oh yeah, I want to be one of those guys. I want to be, you know, Richard Rogers. Yeah. It's so interesting because a lot of people who've been on the show, they had like their songwriting parents or like poet yeah. parents, or they were, they, they knew it was an option. And for me, it wasn't like that. It was like, I had no, I mean, I heard music on the radio, but I didn't know you could like write songs. And it was like the Rolling Stones. Like I just couldn't make the leap. And Did it mean a lot to you though? Um, like Peter Gabriel meant a lot to me, but like the idea of that I could do it didn't come till much later, you know? Um, but anyway, so I'm fascinated by how you found I, your way in. I agree. That's totally the same. Uh, that's the same because you idolize them and they mean so much to you, but you can't, I don't know. I just couldn't, I would never have said I want to be a musician. Yeah. Yeah. Come up. Yeah. And my, yeah. And my dad was a jazz clarinetist and piano player from the fifties. Like he, but he, he was in, he had to work. He yeah. had a job and a family and he played, you know, on the weekends sometimes or at night. Right. A bit. Right. Uh, and he clearly loved it. And he would try to share with me. Yeah. You know, my mom loved folk music, whatever, but this is normal stuff. And yeah. I, it, no one ever said like, and maybe you'll become a writer. Like, no. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, and that's something I wonder if I will say to my kids or not. <laughs> well, wait, do your kids play? Well, I know actually my daughter has, my older daughter has claimed, she's six, like I told you before, she has claimed that she's an artist, but a visual artist. But she'll say it all the time. She'll be like, I'll be like, well, you know, you said you might want to do soccer and you're somebody if you, because, you know, it's great when they're running around, you want to do that. Or she's like, mom, I told you I'm an artist. So that's what I want to do. And then she goes and like takes trash out of the trash and like stickers and she starts making stuff. And I'm like, okay, like I know what I'm supposed to do. Like it just let you make stuff. Well, I think it's that's great. much more, that's much healthier than mine. Cause I was always like, mom, you know that I'm Aquaman. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have a, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what I was going to do. I was like, <laughs> I'm a superhero or I'm a, whatever. And I was never a, so, but wait, so, but I became a songwriter only secretly when I was seven. Mm. I've, been, I've been cutting school for two years and I wanted to learn music. And I took lessons from a guy. He's like a friend of a friend of my parents. Yeah. Whose son was living in their basement. You know okay. what I mean? A musician in his parent in his mom's basement. Yeah. And he played piano. So he... I took a couple lessons from him and he gave me like these bar talk pieces to learn. Do you know, do you play piano? Yeah. Yeah. I, I started as a classical piano player. Right. So and I know you play. That, that's wait, how you, that's how. Wait, wait. <laughs> so let, let me explain. So imagine yeah. that you've been, I've been studying Stevie Ray Vaughan and, you know, modern music that I do not read music. And he's like, here's some atonal Russian pieces for you to learn. <laughs> and I was like, I, I you've was, got Mark Knopfler, you've got oh, TV Ray Vaughn, and then Bartok. I ear, you know, on a, yeah. on a guitar that's not, that's tuned like E, D, F sharp. It was terrible. But in any event, I, I failed utterly, but the guy was so cool and he had a synthesizer and he was in a band and he was like so cool. And he said, well, what do you want to play? And I said, well, I don't know. Give me some modern music. And he said, how about Billy Joel? Now, Billy Joel was one of the ones I had also been studying. 
oh, parents wow. like had a spinner piano and I couldn't play any of that either. But I had tried to play Angry Young Man, you know that uh -huh. one? Yeah. And, uh, and New York State of Mind. Yeah. And so by ear, I could not play them. I could play them very badly. Mm-hmm, mm hmm So he sent me home with a book of Billy Joel and the Bartok. And I came back the next week and I could play she's, uh, uh, those two songs. And after two years of playing them, I could play it. Yeah. And he sort of lost his mind. He was like, what the, what the hell is going on? He's like, you are an, um, you know, a moron when it comes to music, but that sounded great. Yeah. What's that? So I told him what I've been doing and he's yeah. like, oh, let me try this. I'm going to give you four chords. And next week, I just want you to come back with a song. Oh. And I did. And, based, and that is sort of where I started. I was like, wait a minute. I can put this together any way I want. Mm. And it was, it was pretty revelatory. That's like a big breakthrough moment. Wait, I want to try to say back what you've said. So it's sort of like this synthesis of like mimicking p music you love and finding your way in completely on your own. And then you're also writing poetry at school. So you're actually like learning iambic pentameter and learning how to write in it. And then you're deciding, okay, I can, I can bring this back. And then having a teacher who at first maybe doesn't understand what you need, but starts to understand how you learn. And then... Yeah. I think very, very key. He wasn't a teacher. He was three years older than me and stoned. And he was like a musician. <laughs> no, I mean, really. You know, yeah, his yeah, yeah. drummer turned out to be, his drummer was Dave Weckl. Do you know who that is? No. So look him up. Like, this guy was a jazz cat. Okay. He was absolutely a musician's musician. He was, I'm sure he never made a dime. And he was a great musician. You know what yeah. I mean? He yeah. He for the music. And he totally understood my secret life. Oh, yeah. That, that I had been secretly piecing this stuff together. And he was like, oh, wait a minute, dude. You're not like just the, like, the son of my mom's friend who mm. lost. He's like, I got you. I got you, dude. So yeah, he, could see, so he could see you suddenly. I, he, got, yeah. he got the way in. I don't know. I, I didn't have that experience with teachers growing up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is super. That's so, so, so cool. I love that story. So uh, I want to kind of jump into, if you're willing, like the nitty gritty of, of the actual songwriting process. So obviously you do a ton of collaborating. And um, I just like, I, I, I heard an interview or maybe you told me, I don't know, but like I understood that initially when you and Deb were writing together, it was like, you'd bring a snippet of something or she'd bring a snippet of something and then you'd kind of work from there. So like, what does collaboration look like now? Can you talk about that and give like specific examples? <laughs> this is great. So I never, I was so secret that I never showed anyone a song for 10 years from 17 to 27. I didn't show anybody anything. I mean, a couple of times like girlfriends, I would sort of, I wouldn't show the lyrics, but I'd show a little music, but I tried to write with my brother, who I'm probably closest to in the world, and we wrote one song. And then we couldn't write together anymore. We argued over the song. We almost killed each other over it. And it's a really good song, but we really fought. And so when I met Deb, and the first night, she was able to comment on an early song of mine. I was like, I don't really know this, where I go with this. And I didn't at all, my hackles didn't raise up. Maybe it's because I already knew her as an artist and respected her. Mm -hmm. 
but I don't know. And then I commented, she was writing a song that turned out to be um, Ashes on Your Eyes. And I thought the chorus was in the wrong place. Mm. And we were drunk. And I mm -hmm. said, I think the chorus is in the wrong place. Mm. And she said, what do you mean? And I showed her what I meant. And she mm. was like, wait, though. And she adjusted it. And, it, and she was like, here's where it goes. I was like, yes, that is how it goes. Mm. And that was, that's what we do. Okay, so that's what it is. She's still Deb Town. She writes, I write here. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. But if I'm stuck or before I give it to people, and very we're very self-critical. It's almost never that we write a song, we're finished. Mm -hmm. I mean, I will write a song. I've been writing a song now for two and a half years, and I've been playing it out uh, at the end of shows <laughs> over the last three months. Yeah. It's different all the time. We keep, yeah. uh, you know, like yeah. hammering away at it. So the collaborative process is just trusting someone else enough to bounce your own ideas off. Mm -hmm. That's, I don't feel like we, we do anything more than that. It's just good to have someone else you trust, period. I love that. That is so great. And I also want to just highlight for the songwriters listening something else you said about how it was like a secret for 10 years. You weren't really showing anyone your music and just like, rem like I'm reminded, you're reminding me of something I for completely forgot actually, but, but just I'm reminded of the bravery that it takes to put yourself out there like that. You know what I mean? Like you might love something and you're doing it yourself and then suddenly you're sharing it with this other person and, and then I'm reminded <laughs> you were probably there. So like one of the first, oh, the, fir oh, the first open mic I ever played was at a place called Downtime. You were down, absolutely. Okay, so I just remembered this. So I, I was fine with like being in a play and like singing the song of the person. I would play like classical piano in front of like hundreds of people, but I'd never written my own song. And the first time I was like, okay, I'm going to, play this and I wrote the words I actually couldn't sing it like I even though I could sing like I got up there and I I just talked it because I was so you were probably you probably saw me and were like I don't know what's wrong with that lady I was with Teddy Goldstein. okay yeah so I mean it's it's like that's a big step no you you were terrible um <laughs> you, you were and 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 but it wasn't that you were bad it's that you clearly were stopping yeah, I was so like um, scared to show me. Yeah, you wouldn't do it. To show something I made versus something I was imitating. I totally get it. And so I want, and I want to take that criticism back. You weren't, it was that you just didn't do it. Like you got up and the piano playing was good, but it was on that, that plastic thing they had, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That thing they had. Oh my and God. I remember this vividly. I told you do? Them. Oh God. <laughs> we were back in, and I actually had gone over to the bar. I was with Jefferson Thomas. Do you remember Jeff? Oh, yeah. So Jeff and I were like, and Jeff said something like, uh, he said something to the effect of, oh, poor girl. Like, she, yeah. he's like, oh, oh, no, no. Yeah. He's like, oh, shit. You know what I mean? Like, and it was because Jeff was a little older than us, and he'd yeah. been there for four or five years. And he's yeah. four. Whereas I was like, what's she doing? Like, she sort of stopped. You know what I mean? And yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the good news. Here's the good news I want to remind people of. I had to go through that to get to the next. I couldn't skip it. I don't know if anything like that ever oh. happened. But I had to go through this like moment of terror and moment of failing to get to the next moment where it was, got easier. I don't and know why. First, my first open mic, 
Do you, do you ever hear Chucky's in Love? Wait, why does that sound familiar? Lee Jones. Oh, yeah, totally, 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 yeah. So I was in LA and I was doing something totally different. And on a, I don't know, on a whim, I went to this open mic because I heard it was run by Chuck E of Chucky's in Love. Okay. I was like, I just want to meet Chuck E. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I went and I met him and he's like, sure, I'll put you on, man. What do you got? And I was like, well, I was going to maybe play a song. And I don't know, remember what song. I'm sure it was terrible, but he's like, he gave me a slot and I left. I didn't even go, I didn't even take the slot. I was so scared. Oh, yeah. And that was, I, that was three years before I got on stage. So I, I think you did, your first time is better than mine. I didn't even make it to the stage. <laughs> okay. I just freaked out. I was like, I, that's, you know, maybe Ricky Lee Jones is in the audience. Or I, oh, I just, yeah. I, oh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, totally, totally. Um, all right, let's. Um, I kind of want to go back. I think you're yeah. smart, and I'm smart, and this is why is because I know that a new song is like a baby, and it can be just killed by criticism. You have to nurture it and be good to it, and not criticize it too harshly, and let it be what it is, and it grows stronger. And then you sing it with confidence and it grows even stronger. Yeah. You don't have the confidence as a performer yet or as a songwriter. I think both of us would have curled up and died and not been songwriters. If, yeah. you know, if I had gone up on stage, I think I would have died. Like, you know what? You're reminding me of something, which I think is like more early on. Like I really had to wait until a song was like fully manifested to present it. Um, yeah. Cause I, I, I just sort of felt like I needed to be the presenter of something finished and in order to pull it off, like almost like it was playing me. But now uh, writing songs for 20 years, I, I do what you mentioned, which is like, I'll play it out 60% done. Cause I feel like I get information. Like as soon as I start to play it and I get to a part and I say a line, I'm like, that's the line that needs to change. But I can't tell when I'm alone in my house, but I can tell at the gig. I don't know why. And so that, it's interesting. Collaboration is for as well for me. Is yeah, I, okay. Yeah, I, talk about that. No, as I'm playing, I'll play one for Deb and I'll get down into the room and I'll be like, nope. You know what I mean? You're like, I know what's happening here. And it's, and then, so now I have two steps. I'll do it for Deb and if it passes her soundboard, then I can do it for the audience. Uh, okay. And even then, it can suck. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I've definitely put one on its feet. Mm, let's see in the spring going on his feet and i still really like the song yeah but it it didn't make it it didn't make it oh it's a little bit um, of a it's a little bit of a i don't know it has like the head of a beast and the body of a horse and you know it's not quite there it yeah work. let me okay so wait you got me thinking here for a second so let me ask you like did you say something earlier about if you guys get stuck when you're writing something about challenges or something okay so the way obviously the golden moment is to wake up with a song that you've dreamed and you play it and then you you take the poetry of your heart and you say it and it falls into iambic pentameter and it rhymes except not exactly rhymes because <laughs> that's what it does and it's a beautiful song and frankly that has happened like three times and i've been playing doing for 30 years you know what i mean like so once every 10 years you'll get one and if you're paul paul simon or paul mccartney you get them once every year that's great 
The rest of the time you don't. And so what we've come up with, what we've done, is we give each other challenges. And the challenges are on a sheet of paper. And we'll give each other anywhere from two to ten that we can pick from. Oh. Say, and what challenge will be, watch the opening scene of Gandhi with the sound off in front of the piano and write. Okay, or um, open a thesaurus, point to a word, choose a near rhyme. That's your chorus. Go ahead. Or we'll go um, uh, take a ragtime baseline, except use somewhere over the rainbow as the baseline. You know, just the chorus. And I love this game. It's a game, and that's it. And you don't have to do any of them. But early on, we got a song called "Comfort" that way. I wrote a song that I, I wrote a challenge for that was like the beats per minute and the picking pattern. And then it, she was limited in the chords she could use. Yeah. And she came back in an hour with a song called Comfort, which I was like, this is awesome. Like, that's a great song for me. And you can play a little of it after the thing. Uh, but I, it just assured me that challenges work, that mm. working is the point. If you can get something working, then you'll do good work eventually. And I've done bad work for years, by the way, where like I'll, I'll just do. Bad song after bad song after bad song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me, I mean, me too. I, I love the, the playful aspect of that because I feel like as songwriting becomes more like your, your job or like the thing that you do, yeah. I don't know. For me, like sometimes, I mean, I love it more than I love anything. But then also I, I never, being somewhat of a freedom-seeking person, I never feel like I want to do anything I'm supposed to. So yeah. you present this, First of all, it's a social aspect. I mean, you guys are married, so it's even more than social. And then it's fun. And so do you guys give, like, do you have to do the same challenge you give her or she gives you, you each get unique ones? No, it's, it's almost always that she comes up with some and I came up with some and we trade. And then, and we don't do it all the time. And we have stacks and stacks of these things. And so sometimes you can just pick them off the pile because you only do one a day or two at the most. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then we'll forget about them. And I, you know, we have dozens and dozens. Wait, wait. So that makes me wonder: what is your songwriting currently? Your songwriting like storage or organizational system, like a pile of papers, a notebook. I well, unfortunately, we live in a, a house now, so every room is full of yeah. paper everywhere. I mean, here, wait. Okay, a lot. Can you see this? Yeah. These are songs. <laughs> okay. It's called, well, I just looked. It's called Whistling, Whistling Two Frets. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Whistling Two Frets. What is Whistling Two Frets? I have no clue. <laughs> but I wrote that. And I don't know when I wrote that. I was like, Whistling Two Frets. What does that mean? I don't know. But, and they're, you know, and... The more specific you can get with your task at hand, the more you can see where you want to go for me. Mm. Like if I just want to write a song about love, I'll never get there. Right. Never. But having those limitations and something, a way in. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, part of it is, is that we're deadline-oriented people. We're artists who need a deadline. 
Yeah. So if you have a discrete task, you can do it. But if you have three months in the Caribbean to write an album, you're going to get some good swimming done, maybe some drinking. Yeah. You're not going to get, there's nothing going to be done. Right. Right. Yeah. Whereas you have three days to write an album, you'd be surprised what you could get done. That's exactly right. I was, yeah. I'm very jealous right now of Lin-Manuel's uh, schedule because I saw what he's doing. And I was yeah. like, he's going to get a lot done. That's great. He's, it's, <laughs> it's that's, totally. he's like, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, so to the songwriters listening, this is pure gold. If you can do this too, it's like, you can give yourself a challenge. You can get a challenge from your collaborative now, you partner. Know, the secret of all this is, is to get someone you want in bed into bed, right? This is the, this is the point of all these challenges. It's about connection and sex and that's it. <laughs> nothing else from the time i was in the pool as a two-year-old to now it's all about that it's all about that yeah exactly i don't know how to point in the water all right so i'm now going to ask you something i had no intention of asking you but you made me think of it and i don't know why and i feel like i'm channeling like teddy our friend teddy goldstein right now but do you ever feel so i feel like i've been writing I, I can write a happy song, but I've written a lot of sad songs, right? And I'm just wondering, do you have any sort of a litmus, litmus test of like, if you're like, this song is too sad, it's going to hurt people instead of help them process their feelings to get nope. to another place? Nope. Or is it just like, any? no, it doesn't matter. You have any sort of like bar? Nope. Okay. Nope. I, I, I have a cheese bar where, because I'm, I'm naturally a goofy writer do you know what i mean like i i will absolutely pun whenever i can and it's just not appropriate for most of the feelings that uh you want in a song mm -hmm. do you know what I'm yeah oh yeah i know what you're saying I will yeah. absolutely x an entire song just because i made a bad pun you know what i mean i'm like mm -hmm. that's a you know a pun but no as far as as that goes i think nothing's off limits and i i'm happy and grateful if i can get anywhere on any emotion in any song mm. and i would never be like nah that's too feeling full or too hard or mm -hmm. i think you're it's easy to step over the line once you're there because if you're crying you know steely dan has this line where he says i cried when i wrote this song sue me if it goes too long i feel like every song i've ever written that's good i've cried yeah even, even the happy ones really at some point i've been but when you're in the, that emotional space, you can write some crap and, it's, and it really means something to you. Mm -hmm. That's why you have to rewrite it or have a partner or re play it out. So when you say some ridiculous sentence that's like, well, you know, and I'll just, I'll just talk, but, oh, I love you even though you have cancer and are going to die. You know, you're like, I, that's a terrible line, but, you've, but I felt it. Do you know right. what I mean? Right. So you have to find a way to translate that so that someone else can feel what you're feeling because they probably won't if you say it just like that. Right. So I have a bar that's definitely, <laughs> and I definitely look back, I, but I, I won't not write it. I'll write it. That's why I have reams of paper. I'm like, okay. I don't want to be the editor all the time. Yeah. You want to open the door. You want to step through. You want to connect. And, um, you know, I look back at myself as a real idiot every couple of years. And so it's good to know, to give yourself a break um, and not be harsh. That's all. Yeah, I mean, that's probably why you're such a great writer, is, is you guys both. I'm not, but I, I have a really good partner 
Yeah, and but you I, also are, you don't mind editing. You know, I, I do meet writers who are like, yes. no, I'm just done. Like, I'm done with it. I can't, I can't look at it again. And you're like, okay, you know. Okay, can I tell you, there are some great songwriters who occasionally get lazy. And I get mad at them just for that. For exactly what you're talking about. Because yeah. I know, and I'm not going to name names because who the fuck am I to say it? But it's, I'm arrogant. You can bleep that out. Sorry. But I get mad at them because I'm like, oh, no, you didn't just cut and paste that. You cut it. Oh, stop. And I get mad because it's a beautiful lyric or whatever. And then they just, they didn't go the extra mile. And I know they yeah. can. Not everyone can. And I don't feel yeah. harsh against songwriters I don't know or anything. But if one of my heroes, right? It's like, yeah, you get the feeling like they were like, nah, good enough. Good enough. But you know. It, good it, enough. It, and I'm like, you wrote this song. So I know you know. Yeah. Um, okay. So if, say you wrote that line about I love you even though you have cancer or something like in your right. notebook. And then later you were like, okay, I need to like, I need to make this line better or something. Like how would you. I'll probably throw the whole, that's my, that's my meter. I'll probably throw the whole song out. Oh, you throw the whole song out. Okay, you wouldn't try to find like a metaphor to capture the way you were feeling? And that's why I think I have trouble as a teacher because I don't feel like working on that is going to get me anywhere. Mm. You know, like, okay, that's something I wanted to say, but I haven't tuned into the Spiritus Muni, the universal uh, river that all artists swim in like you need to get there mm. and you can't technical your way into it or I can't anyway I know some mm -hmm. people can. um so I'll just go back to the river and yeah. how do you go back to the river what are some of the oh do you, do you cultivate that like consciously? any advice um is good any new thing is good and then day after day sitting down and writing day yeah. after day it is really boring um, when it's not going well. When it yeah. is going well, it's the best job in the world. It is. Yeah. Do you get up in the morning and write? Not these days. Yeah. I have three kids and a business and a house, and it sucks. <laughs> uh, the kids are great. <laughs> but, being, but being 40, I, now that I'm in a, it's horrible being these, this age. It's like, oh, my God, I have, like, a mortgage and life insurance. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, wow. And I deal with it. And I wish I didn't because I used to have empty time that I would protect, particularly early on in the days. Yeah. And now I have, um, I, I actually have to figure out right now how to get back to a larger creative empty time. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes, I mean, it makes perfect sense to me because I have two daughters and, and Frank and I were just talking about this, not even relate, relating to creativity, but just in terms of having, uh, having space having like just empty time we're like where's all the empty time go like we didn't realize how much we used to have that we just took for granted you know there'd be like these long spaces of time we're like okay how are we going to fill this up <laughs> I think there's a sense of connection for me with having sort of kids in a home life that fills up some of the insane need for connection that mm my early writing binges ah. and and I think in some ways having you know a four-year-old who comes and crawls into your bed does a lot 
toward not making you want to get up and go right. Do you know what I mean? And I, I'm pretty satisfied with that. Like I, I'm okay. And yes, I still feel like the best work I have is in front of me and I want to do better and I want to write something um, better and more connective. On the other hand, some of the fire has changed over time into a slower burning flame. Yeah. I, okay. I totally hear that. So um, I want to go back to, you know, sorry, I don't know why I'm hammering away at this, but um, what I'm curious about, like, so, okay, I'll, I'll just say this. Wait, oh, turn up. Yes, Deb. I am. That was Deb Talon. Hi. Hi. Do you have to go right now? Not in the least. Okay, we have like 10, 10 more minutes. Are we good? No, absolutely. Okay. No, no. I timed it out. It's because I'm really good at scheduling and Deb is really bad at scheduling. So yeah. she'll panic once in a while and be like, oh my God, it's Yom Kippur. I'll be like, no, that was last night, baby. It's no problem. <laughs> they get there, here. I'm like, no, remember we went back the horse radish around? She's like, okay, good, good, good. We're good. That's oh good. god you're so funny okay i love it um so all right so th something that you and deb have both had like because I, I knew you before you were in the weepies yeah. and i knew yeah. deb's music before so is a, a two things i mean many things i mean the songs always land and i always felt something but just like specific things like a, economy of language like i feel like neither of you were ever you know you just use the amount of words you needed and i think that's one of the things that so strong about why the songs land it's like there's no extra words you know and then from you. thank you oh i mean i mean so to me it's like such an obvious great thing and then also like the melodies and melodies are so catchy and often intricate you know they travel they have these and i just i just love them and you guys both had that and then you came together so it's you're very so sweet crazy thank and amazing but i'm wondering like what are, so I have a sense of something that you said to Deb, like chorus is in the wrong. What are some of the things that she might say to you if you bring her a song? And like, are those craft sort of skills that you have, like, are they, are they conscious? Are you cultivating them? Are they just, in, are they just happening for you? Like okay. the vast majority are definitely subconscious. The vast majority of conscious choices. I regret. I regret. I, ah, I, okay. You know what I mean, the vast majority were like, no, we're going to do this. Even a great example is um, Gotta Have You, okay, which Deb brought to the table. And I tried to make it into a standard song, okay, where it goes verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, okay, or bridge, verse, chorus. And the way she had it set up was uh, bridge verse chorus verse and i was like okay that is crazy i was like let's please and uh, please and she didn't know she was doing that it was just three artistic parts and she put them together they just, like they just came out right and i got her to move the bridge further into the song but if you listen to it it still goes verse chorus bridge verse vamp verse chorus mm. and you're like what is that my original idea of chopping that song up and doing it i've, I've listened to it <clears throat> it's terrible, uh, it's terrible. Yeah. yeah 
And her original idea, crazy, not terrible, but what we came up with by my being like, excuse me, I was like, <clears throat> I need a drink. Hold on. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Sorry about that. So yeah, her um, her screwing with the the form is what I think helps make that song uh, pack a punch. See, that's so cool. So it shows that knowing a little bit about form and rearranging was good, but that you can you can if you take it too far and try, oh, and I think having you can kill else, it. Yeah, having someone else who she respected enough to move it, but respecting yourself as an artist enough to be like, yeah, and no. She's like, and that's enough. And honestly, that's a healthy relationship in, with friends or lovers or anybody. That's what you need. You need to give and take. So, yeah. yeah, and knowing where that boundary is. I think that's, okay, more gold. So highlighting the gold that just came out, <laughs> if I can. No, it's, it's so true. And I feel like I, I've definitely done that with songs. Like I try, they started out as something and they were a little bit too weird and I just didn't quite understand. And I tried to rearrange them too much until I lost interest in them. I'm like, okay, yeah. I just killed, I just killed that. That's Great. too bad. Yeah. But I never would have done that 15 years ago. Cause I wouldn't have. But one thing I think really is true is that, you know, by listening, right? Like, so you, you rearranged it once. That was better than you took it a little fur further. You guys heard it. And then Deb was like, no. You know, yeah. you knew by listening. So there's no harm in trying. I mean. Well, I'll give you another example. So there's an early, early song that I absolutely killed by saying, this sucks. Like, we, because we wrote it. And then she was like, I think this is great. And I was like, I think it sucks. And I crumpled it up and I threw it away. Oh. And she went to a radio interview right after that like literally that afternoon and played it on the air in order to prove me wrong so that uh, i have to say like that dynamic is definitely part of our thing and that song was a song called somebody loved which has become like a really big song for us yeah so i have become i think a little less aggressive in my uh bullying of the artistic process you know what i mean like this sucks <laughs> you know? yeah 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 and she was like, you're an idiot. And she went out and she's played it for everybody. Everyone was like, hey, I love that. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. So is, is it always like playful? Like, I feel like sometimes I ask. Oh, that was deadly serious at the time. Oh, it was. Oh, it was. Okay. It was so, I was so emotionally like, I just thought we had failed. You know, I was like, because she's like, we should play this out. And I was like, over my dead body, we're playing that. I was like, this. Oh, oh. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know I mean? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so, you know, to respect your time and the listeners' time, we can start to wind yeah, it up a little bit. Listeners have already turned off. It's just you and me at this point, Anne. <laughs> yeah, this is just for us at this point. No. Um, so, I, don't, I mean, you, you mentioned it. I know it's mentioned in the bio, and, I, and, and I, I've heard it or read it somewhere else. But, like, in terms of the writing after everything that, you know, you guys went through and Deb went through with her challenges with breast cancer. Sucks. Never do cancer. Never do that. I mean, it must have been ho horrible. And yet you're, she's made a record. You guys made a record after. Is that? It's taken us years to recover. It took her years to recover. The kid <sighs> was still recovering. I, you know, she went, she had stage three breast cancer, which is right before stage 
before breast cancer and it was right on the edge and she got hit with chemo and listen this happens to people every day and i feel not special at all in it in our little corner of you know she had a horrible year and it was hard um but what it did do was crystallize how lucky we are to do what we do because all that she wanted to do was hang with the kids, homeschool, write and record. And then we went on tour. And it was like, it all felt good even in the face of death, you know? And so that, it, it's, uh, it felt life-affirming in that way. But I'm yeah. not happy that it happened. It was terrible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm so glad that she's okay. Me too. She's yeah. Good. She just yelled at me from the other room, and now she's off on her thing. And right, I'm right. the kids. It's fine. It's right. But you're like, we didn't need that clarification process. We were already making music. We were already living our dream. We didn't need to like have cancer to learn like you know what we need, what we wanted to be doing. Become a songwriter. You know what I mean? Like I and I just want to say that both Deb and I were horrible failures. I mean, I don't know if you remember when you met me, Anne, but I was homeless essentially. I was living with Greg, my brother. <laughs> on his couch and like Deb was she, a mess she was playing at Starbucks for you know while she was a barista and like it's really hard to do and if anyone's doing it out there don't worry about the world telling you whatever just do it you have you know you have to do it anyway so just do it that's my opinion that's so nice of you to say. Yeah, you know, that makes me, that reminds me of something else I know about you, which is that you, I feel like you're very methodical, and I wasn't going to talk about this either, but when you move to California, I feel like you're, you're actually a really great um, business person. I mean, you're talking about you being a failure and sleeping on couches, but I mean, I feel like you're a smart person and you, you work hard every day, and I feel like you've applied that to songwriting and maybe That's the business true. aspects and recording yeah, and i don't want to so there's a guy named william carlos williams who is a poet who i who is a hero of mine and he was a doctor and he would write every day and he only became famous toward the end of his life and he's one of the greatest poets i think that america has produced and it's because he wrote every day Mm. That I've tried to write that down. And even and he would even say and they, they accused him of being a liar. And he said, you know, there was a day a woman was in, in labor for thirty six hours and I was in with her. So you would think I couldn't during that day write something down, but in fact I did. On a piece of paper during in between contractions, I I wrote I wrote a line and that was it. But I write every day. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome um, and I'm also a little you know we're obsessive about it we do it all the time and it's annoying I don't think I'm not sure how it would be to be married to someone who's not like that mm. because they would just find your scraps of paper everywhere or yeah. you're action at the dinner table as you're not listening to someone because you're trying to rhyme park benches with pretentious or whatever you're doing in your head you know what I mean yeah. like yeah it's like I understand and Deb does too or yeah the, yeah yeah the kids finally do too they're like dad dad you know what i mean i, I got to come back to us yeah <laughs> that do you, i always like say this quote and no one ever knows it or thinks it's funny or even gets it but you just reminded me of the, um that hotel new hampshire book i don't know yeah. if you ever yeah. 
Yeah, so John Irving in that, one of the characters, it might have been the weightlifter or something says like about weightlifting, like when they're, he's telling him to eat bananas and drink milk is that you have to like get obsessed and stay obsessed, like to be, to become this amazing weightlifter. And I think of that about songwriting all the time because I'm like, once I'm in it, I'm completely obsessed. And then I think like, if I didn't have that obsessive, it's a great place to put obsessive qualities because they don't belong anywhere else, you know? But it's, it really does help things come to completion. And there's Robert Fripp, a great guitarist. Um, he said, you have to persist in failure, persist in obscurity, persist in success, persist in failure, and persist in obscurity. And that that's the arc of the, of the artist. And I was like, wow, dude, that is dark. But I, and I found it to be totally true. Oh, my gosh. Because I, and I'm in like the, like I persisted all the way through success and failure. And now that we're becoming obscure again, I'm like, it's harder to persist. I, and I have kids and my life is full in ways that it wasn't, but I'm still trying. I'm still here. I'm still doing yeah. it. I love it. You just gave me the chills. It's so, it's so super inspiring. And you're an easy um, target, dude. You're an easy. I, I mean, I, I know it's like, it's cool. And have, we met in New York. We should be like sort of jaded, but I am inspired and I'm just going to admit it and it's fine. Um, okay. So, um, you have tour dates coming up, right? We just have a few. We're playing, we're actually playing out by you. We're playing in Evanston, not right by you. What is that, three hours? Um, yeah, we keep in Ann Arbor for some reason. Ann Arbor doesn't like us, but we'll be, so we're playing a few shows in the Midwest. We're playing a few shows in November on the East Coast. Okay. Centered around, we're just playing like two shows in New York, two shows in Boston, one out in North Adams, and then a, a workshop at brown but then next year is the 10th year anniversary of our entrance onto the billboard charts nice <laughs> highway i mean it's a big deal i was like that was 10 years ago it seems like a hundred but yeah. um and yeah people are like can you imagine that was 10 years i was like it really feels like a different life i it was before we had kids so are you guys gonna do a big tour sure, a big tour i don't know what it's gonna look like because there's never any money for this sort of thing yeah no one wants to but we're going to do it anyway. So we're going to go, I think, on like a 22-city tour. That's the deal. And this is, no one knows this, by the way. This is between you, me, and everyone listening to your podcast, which is fine. <laughs> but we're absolutely going to do a 10th-year tour of some sort. Okay. And then we have to get back to work. We, we've been working. Yeah. But, I mean, we have to give ourselves an end date and an idea of, like, what we're doing. Because right now, I can show you, Deb is painting. That's what she's doing. And it's important work, um, but it's not helping the weepies at all. And because she just finished this project and she needs yeah. a little creative space. Um, and I'm writing crap and some of it's good, some of it, but so we have to at some point get it back on the horse. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, this will definitely be out in, in advance of that. It might not be yeah. out before no, right? these right? October dates. So that is Anyone has any suggestions super. as to what the weepies should do next? Because another record is probably what it'll be, but I don't know. <laughs> Um, hit us up, theweepies at theweepies.com. Hit me up. Origami, uh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like Weepies line of China? I don't know. I love yeah. like dishes. Why not? Um, okay, so cool. So I know you're not going to play live, but maybe, Tell well, me. first, if you have, you just gave like 70 pieces of songwriting advice, but if you had one piece of advice right. that you want people to, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. If you had one thing that you would want to say to songwriters and creatives out there, what would you say? 
my advice would be different for what where you are mm -hmm. in your journey. But at the beginning, I would say don't be afraid to copy. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to find out exactly what they did. Yeah. Why does Michelangelo's sculptures do look, look like Michelangelo's sculptures? Why? Why? What did he do? And the same is true of Cole Porter. Why does it sound like a Cole Porter song? What is that? And then you can do that also. And in singing along with them, you will find your own voice. That's, I think, I'm still finding it. I don't think that I've gotten there at all. But I feel like sometimes I sneak in. You know, like mm -hmm. who I, I am sneaks in. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. All right, so Steve's going to leave us with a, a story of a, how he wrote a particular song. That had, I will. I, I, I've, and I've, then I've I'm going to edit it in, and you're going to hear the recording of it. So we'll say bye, but um, then you'll hear the song. So Thank you, Anne. Oh, my gosh. It's so good to see you. It's so good to see you, too. Okay, here's my story. Um, I had quit songwriting, and... I was working on a bunch of other stuff and someone that I dearly love came over and told me why I was a failure at songwriting and said, you know why you suck? It's because you don't write like Cole Porter or Robert Johnson. You're too complicated, too wordy, you're too in love with yourself. And you think your experience is everybody else's. Is this true? Is it totally, totally true story? Oh my God. Okay. So on the spot, I wrote this a song that you're gonna play. Except I sounded pretty bad singing it. So I made my girlfriend at the time sing along and sing a take. And that song ended up on a record of ours called CIMU. And the song is called Nobody Knows Me at All. And it was only, it was, it was written <laughs> as like a screw you. All right, then I'm going to go as simple as I can and not, you know, universal themed. And, uh, and it was written in like uh, maybe 15 minutes tops. And oh I, the bridge I sort of went over with my girlfriend at the time, Deb Talent. And I was like, what do you think? And we sort of shifted the bridge and then shifted it back. And, but this is essentially just a, I think a lot of people who become actors or artists have a little in them that's like, oh yeah? <laughs> Where someone told them no. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say yes. And, this, and that for me, I really feel good about that song because of the generation of where it came out oh my god i absolutely i was listening to that song this morning like i absolutely love right, that song. Right, and you can know that we're in our bedroom right where i've been essentially told that i suck um by, by someone i love you know what i mean so there you go oh my gosh okay so we're gonna play that now we're gonna say thank you so much for telling us that story and the title of the song is Again. Nobody, nobody knows me at all. Nobody knows me at all. So you can look that up on iTunes too. Okay, here it comes. Bye, Steve. Thank you so much. I am. So fun. Bye.
child Everybody smiled Nobody knows me at all Very late at night And in the morning light Nobody knows me at all I got lots of friends Yes, but then again Nobody knows me at all Kids and a wife It's a beautiful life Nobody knows me at all And oh When the lights are Nobody knows me at all I know how you feel No secrets to reveal Nobody knows me at all Nobody knows me at all Nobody knows me Nobody knows me Nobody knows me at all Thanks so much for joining us. If you know someone who would enjoy or benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. Thanks so much. Much love.